You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. I want to wish everyone listening at home a very happy Thanksgiving. Despite everything that's gone on in 2020, I think we certainly have a lot to be thankful for. And as many of you know, uh, this has always been my favorite time of year. I so enjoy getting the chance to chat with folks like my special guest tonight. Uh, She made her first big mark on TV in the soap opera world in both General Hospital and Days of Our Lives. And in recent years, uh, I'm going to go right ahead with a big old dad joke here and call her the one of the Hallmark Channel's biggest hall stars as she's become one of the key players in the network's annual slate of holiday films. Uh, this year's no different as her latest film, USS Christmas, premieres this Saturday at 10, 9 central. And another thing I certainly admire about her is that in addition to everything she's accomplished on screen, uh, what she's doing in the recording studio is equally impressive and for a great cause. Uh, her latest solo record, Hindsight, was just released this fall and all the proceeds are going to charity. So, uh, it's certainly an honor when we get to welcome someone to the batter's box who very much embodies what the holiday spirit's all about. So uh, with that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just be on the marquee. Now batting, Jen Lilly. Jen, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I'm glad I don't need to, you know, be good at baseball because I have to say that I was the kid. This is a true story. Um, I had to transfer into the University of Virginia because I got a C in gym. Why did I get a C in gym? Because I failed baseball. Because in my school, you had to be able to play baseball. And I was so bad that the only reason I ra- my grade got raised to a C is because my gym teacher threw the baseball at me and it hit me in the eye and I couldn't see for a half hour. And he felt bad and he raised my grade to a C. <laughs> That's awful. First of all, I wish I went to a school where they factored in physical education into your GPA. It probably would have helped me on the undergrad front, but <laughs> I really, wow, that's quite a situation. Wait, you know, you're, I know you're from Virginia and you, you know, you went on to uh, UVA. Were, were you like, were you, were you much of an athlete at all at any point in your life growing up there? Absolutely not. Not even a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I'm literally the person I always tell people, I'm like, you know, if you're having a really bad day, you should just play me in any kind of sport. Even if you think you're bad at it, I promise <laughs> worse. Like you'll feel so good about yourself after playing me in a game of anything. Um, I'm decent at ping pong, if that counts. <laughs> well, does the Hallmark Channel have like, you know, a, uh, I a softball league or like a ping pong league or something like that where you were able to shine a little bit? Listen, in my movie that comes out this Saturday, USS Christmas, uh, it premieres on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, which by the way, if people don't get that because I don't get that channel, but now I do because I have a, a new app. It's kind of like Hulu for Hallmark. It's called Friendly TV. I'm obsessed with it. Uh, they don't pay me to say this, but I feel like everyone needs to know about Friendly. Um F-R-N-D-L-Y, friendly without the vowels. It's like $5.99 a month. People can, you know, download that app. And there's no monthly commitment. Like, you can just watch the holiday movies and then cancel their subscription. It's amazing. Huge plug for them. Not paid, but I'm a real fan. But the point is, is that in that movie, I had to spill wine on a girl's dress. Like, spill wine on a girl's dress that's white. 
And I was so nervous. I told the director, I was like, you don't understand. Um, I always get these scripts because I like to play physical comedy and I am clumsy in real life, but you don't give clumsy people clumsy comedy, you know, gags and with a white dress and you only have two white dresses. I was like, I'm going to need to rehearse this a bunch with an empty glass. Like, how do I move my body? I I literally practiced with her hitting her in the boob (laughs) with an empty wine glass. I don't know, 30 times because I said, I I have to like, there's got to be muscle memory. And they're like, nobody's that bad at it. And I said, when I had to spill coffee on Brendan Penny in my first Hallmark movie, Dash of Love, I spilled it on myself 50% of the time. I got it on me instead of him. I am the worst. I have no aim. So I was really glad that when I came on this, the fact that I sing is a qualifier versus the fact that I don't play baseball. (laughs) So do they, does wardrobe, uh, do they have an extra budget or a special budget, you know, for the Jen Lilly productions on Hallmark? Is that what you're telling me? Because, you know, you're constantly, you know, having to do multiple takes of all this type of stuff. I literally tell them in my fittings, I'm like, if I have to spill something on somebody, you just, you're going to need to like not get me the Vince Camuto sweater. You're going to need to get my sweater at JCPenney's because I will need his budget. <laughs> my budget's got to go to him. <laughs> All right. So let's say, let's say you're not the most athletically inclined. I don't know if, uh, did you go to many of those like Norf- Norfolk Tide games growing up in Virginia back when they were the Mets uh, organization? I have to ask that. I did not, but my my cousin, uh, my cousins Amy and John are huge Mets fans because they grew up in the Virginia Beach area. So I did hear about the Mets a lot growing up because of them. So I don't know how familiar you are with uh, baseball lingo, but there's a term that we use every now and then. I think it kind of applies to your 2020. Have you ever heard of what a career year is? I've heard the term. I don't know what it means. So on the baseball front, it's basically like a, a season in which you shine as much as you did in any other season. Uh, And basically, you know, seriously, with everything you've accomplished this year on the TV front and music as a parent for charity, despite all the stuff that's happened in the world this year, uh, you have a lot to be proud of. Thanks. Yeah, I do think it's been a good year. I, you know, I was scared to death in March. I I definitely shut down and felt like I had a little bit of a, a mental break, uh, both literally like a mental breakdown and also a mental break from all my work because everything just paused. But at the same time, you know, after a couple weeks of being, cause I don't know what it was like where you live, but in Los Angeles, um, there were like army tanks rolling down the street, the national guard. And I thought I literally bought a hundred pounds of rice. I bought 100 pounds of rice. Why and- rice? Why not like toilet paper or something like that? <laughs> I tell you about my toilet paper escapades too. (laughs) So I wasn't taking it that seriously at first. And I'm like on Amazon talking to my husband and um, my friend who was nannying for us at the time who lived like in the back house. And I was like, okay, guys, I guess like a lot of people are buying toilet paper and I really don't understand it because to be completely unhallmark and candid, I'm like, what is this, the diarrhea pandemic? No, like, why are you buying toilet paper? Like what, what's the deal with toilet paper? I don't get it. So I'm like on Amazon getting ready to buy my toilet paper. I'm like, I guess like people are really freaking out and we should just Amazon prime some toilet paper. By the time we're having the discussion, Amazon's like sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out. So I bought the toilet paper that you get 
you know, when you go to the airport and it's like the size of a steering wheel. So I bought those in bulk 12, like the kind that will just scratch you to death. And I literally <laughs> on principle would not let anyone in my household use any other toilet paper until that was out. I was like, I am not having a lifetime of to- toilet paper. And then I bought <laughs> four bins of 25 pounds you know, canisters of rice because I was like, well, if the freaking whatever they're called national guard is going to like lock us down and rubber bullet us. I mean, I guess I have mouths to feed. And the only thing that I know that doesn't go bad (laughs) is rice. So I was like, I guess we'll be like Gandhi, you know, we'll eat six grains of rice a day until we're allowed to come out of quarantine. (laughs) A hundred pounds of rice. And 12 ginormous steering wheel things of toilet paper. Anyways, I'm going to oh guess God. that you probably. Career year. Yeah. So that's like the, that's what that was like what swung me into my career year. So I was, I was pretty panicked with everybody else in March. I was like, what are we doing? Oh my gosh, is Jesus coming back? Like, what is happening? And then I basically paused and was like, okay, look. Whatever is happening, if it's the apocalypse, I really want to go out loving people. So let me take a deep breath and figure out <laughs> how to spread peace and joy and like comfort. And everybody else is freaking out. Am I the only one that has a hundred pounds bag of rice in my laundry room? I guess so. And and I, you know, I just I just like moved houses and I gave it to my pastors. They were like, Why do you have all of this? I was like, Maybe you could feed the homeless in Los Angeles. Listen. And then they were like, What is this? And I was like, you know, beans. And they're like, <laughs> I had beans. I had rice. I was literally preparing like, you know, Mark of the Beast was rolling out and (laughs) I was not taking the tattoo. (laughs) So it's quite a very rough March. (laughs) It's been a good year. I I finally was like, okay, what can I do to give back to humanity? I guess I'm just going to go out with a bang and um, I came up with Faces to Give, which is a a competition that the proceeds went to. you know, building a neighborhood for foster kids. So I'm starting that. And then now I just launched one called Christmas is not canceled.com, where, you know, people can basically they buy my album, they get entered to win the ultimate Christmas. Um, I partnered with Balsam Hill, like you get the Balsam Hill tree, which if anybody knows anything about Balsam Hill, they're like $1,000 trees, the ornaments, dinner delivered straight to your door, because like, every parent there, I don't know a single parent that like wants to cook another meal dinner delivered straight to your door, you know, all the things, gifts for your family, $1,500 to pay your bills. And then the whole thing benefits Toys for Tots and USO. So I have been trying to stay proactive, but it definitely started out <laughs> in a mental frenzy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use this uh, this story in your press tour for Hallmark? Yes, my press <laughs> you know, I have not told anyone that story, but I have no shame about it. I was like, that's where we were. Like in March, I was literally like, I went down the rabbit hole, like hardcore in March. And then I was like, gotta get out. I feel a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go as like a a conspiracy theorist for Halloween, but then Halloween got canceled. I was going to, I was going to build a tin hat and like, you know, just put it on as a joke. But yeah, it's been a rough year, but you know, life is what you make it. You're only responsible for your response. So I had a rough response at first and then decided to just, you know, give back to humanity and spread some joy instead. I was going to say, it's got to be really hard to, you know, slap on a smile after going through all that stuff. You do a very good job of it on TV. And I know you're in California right now, out in LA. I I hope that 
things aren't as crazy as they are here in New York. What do you have planned uh, this holiday season after everything that's gone on? So funny. Um, well, right now I'm actually up in Canada quarantining, um, getting ready to do another movie. But then um, after Christmas is not canceled, uh, .com wraps up on December 12th, then I'm just going to uh, make sure I get all the toy orders submitted, wrap that up, you know, do the back of house and then come December 15th. Because I feel like it'll take me about three days in post to just make sure I've got all of my reporting done. I am turning off my phone until January 4th. You think you can, you know, hold true on that? No Instagram, no email checking, nothing? Yeah, I already told my manager and everybody. I was like, look, if, if, if it's an emergency, you have Jason's number. And if somebody doesn't have my husband's number, it's not that big of an emergency. Are you now? Do you get anxiety when you're not on social media and whatnot? Like, because like for me personally, I've tried. I've tried to delete Instagram on the days like leading up to the election, for example. And like within like 24 hours, I'm just sitting there like, yeah, but what if the Yankees announce X, Y, and Z tonight? Or what if I'm like missing out on something big? Like, am I that important that someone's really going to text me about that? And I had to re-download it within like 24 hours. Do you get that type of anxiety? Um, you know, not really. I do check, obviously, Instagram a lot. I think that's a second nature for all of us. But for me, it's more like, okay, well, how many toys have we bought for kids, you know, in need? So I'm just checking that. But I mean, like I said, March was a really dark month for two weeks. And then I just really came out of it full throttle. And I actually feel like I'm in a better mental headspace than I've been in years where I'm just like, okay, like, you know, that's been a good thing about 2020. Do you find that too, that like the pause just makes you reassess what you really care about? Yeah. And it makes me discover maybe, I don't want to say hidden talents. That would say cocky, but that was, that would sound cocky, but no, I, let's I guess it's hidden talents. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could do a lot more positions in yoga I don't want to sit here and brag about myself, but I did a lot. I applied to grad school, like things I never thought that I would end up doing. And like, it's just, I'm in, in that, in that sense, I'm grateful that I had this time to myself, especially in March. Like when you said there was a period from, you know, shit hit the fan Friday, the 13th. That's what I refer to it here in New York, Friday, March uh, 13th. And there I turned 30 in mid July. There was a period there from the 13th through July 12th where I didn't see a good chunk of my friends until that date, you know, four months. That's probably the longest I've ever gone without seeing them. And it made me, I guess, like appreciate, I guess, who I am as a person. You don't need to rely on others for your own happiness to an extent. So I don't know if that, maybe that's not a hidden talent, but it was a self-revelation that felt really good. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, You know, nonetheless, though, so what are you going to do for, uh, what do you have planned for uh, the holidays this year with uh, your family once uh, once you turn, turn your phone off? Um, well, you know, I, I just want to watch Christmas movies, despite, you know, having been in so many of them, I still love them. And I want to make hot chocolate. You know, I have three toddlers. So, you know, my Christmas is pretty typical for a parent of young kids. I mean, we're going to be listening to a lot of nursery rhymes and stuff like that, which is really a lot of, uh, you know, it gets really boring, but at the same time, um, you know, it's nice to just sit around and I want to make cookies with them and drink hot chocolate and do kind of all the just like childhood things that, you know, we loved as a child. And I'm hoping that I can take them sledding at some point, you know, I don't know, you never know whether it's going to snow in the mountains of California or not, but that would be awesome. And then, 
I don't know. It's the fun thing about being a parent of little ones is that they're just starting to get the concept of Santa Claus. So it makes Christmas morning really fun versus like, oh, Christmas is here. I guess it's over, you know? Now, let me ask you, you know, going back to that crazy period of March, could you have ever imagined that you'd be adopting your third child uh, in 2020? Yeah, I was hoping I was hoping that was the case. I mean, the thing with Jeffrey is that he is from foster care. So we have been fostering him since he was four months. And when I got pregnant with my daughter, Julie, it was a decision of are we going to be those crazy people that have three kids under three? And while I would not wish that on my worst enemy, um, you know, I'm I've turned 36. And at the point at, you know, when I got pregnant, it was like, do you know you're considered a geriatric pregnancy if you're 35 and you're pregnant? So I was like, holy crap, like I got to slide into home plate. Little reference there. Um, (laughs) I got to get this kid, you know, popped out before I turned 35. And she was born like four days before my birthday. So, um, you know, I don't wish that many toddlers on anybody. It is like madness, but it's also really fun. So I did know, I was hoping that I would adopt Jeffrey, you know, his, his adoption actually got put off because of COVID, but I already knew like the whole pregnancy. I was like, God, like this is nuts. You know, there was like no recovery time. I was so tired. And all my friends that are like pregnant with their first kid, I'm like, you don't even know, like you're pregnant and you have nobody else to take care of. I was like, I'm still changing poopy diapers like 24 seven. And my kids are biting each other and hitting each other. And like, I'm fat and pregnant, tired. So, you know, I was, I was glad we got to adopt him. But again, like I, I do think that people should probably cap it off at two kids. That being said, I'll probably end up having like eight to 16 because I just cannot handle like children not having a parent, but that's me. And that's like my own beef with the world. And so I just say like, look, if you're not into adoption, like cap it off at two and you're welcome because it is good to have a one-on-one, you know, situation with your spouse or your partner. <laughs> Oh, I a hundred percent. And I, I'm not a parent, so I can't necessarily relate, but I, I especially around this time of year, I I've seen what a high volume of young kids, uh, can do to different parents, especially with, you know, even mentioned the whole concept of Santa Claus and whatnot. It's just, it's, I just feel like the holidays are the absolute peak of pandemonium for a parent. So I, I, I can only imagine what you're going through right now. <laughs> I actually think it's like the most joy. I mean, I, I, I don't, I couldn't imagine actually doing this, uh, pandemic without kids. You know, there was a time where all the moms were like, Oh, holy crap. Now I'm also a, um, freaking teacher. Like that's not what I signed up for. And I was definitely in that boat because, you know, you're trying to teach like a two-year-old colors and your four-year-old's like, it's green. And I'm like, just shut up. Like (laughs) 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 brother needs to learn his colors. And he's like, the answer is green, Jeff. Uh, I'm like, shut up, Kaden. Like, please, just like, you have not go away. Um, but, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, kids are really entertaining. And I, people that are just alone during the pandemic, I'm like, I don't know how you guys survived it. I feel like the parents in some ways almost had it easier because at least we had, you know, there's only so many shows you can watch. You've watched everything on Netflix. I haven't watched anything on Netflix in three years. So... <laughs> Wait a second. You didn't even make some time to watch Tiger King at like the very beginning of this thing? No, no, I I really wanted to, too. I remember everybody was like making references to it. And I was like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I never. Carol Baskin and all those names. Aren't you an actor? I'm like, I don't. 
I know. Well, they're not actors. <laughs> That's not exactly acting. I wouldn't like call it that. Or something, right? Yeah, pretty much. It, it was. Cool. It was that. That was like one of the low points during the pandemic when I was watching like King of Queens reruns, like from one to three, and then binging like four straight hours of Tiger King. <laughs> uh, the only thing I know about Tiger King is that one of them was murdered allegedly, um, and. I only know it because of an Instagram, you know how you have music on Instagram and, and there's like, there was really funny music. That's like, I hate you, Carol. I hate your blonde hair. I hate you, whatever. And I was like, that's funny. I don't, you know, I don't even need the reference for this. I'm putting that in my story. That's funny. <laughs> and it was a real song <laughs> and a professionally produced music video. I think, yeah, I'm not, you got to watch the documentary. I don't want to spill the beans for you, but yes, that was a real song by Joe exotic. And, uh, yeah, it, it is. I think Carol Beskin's on Dancing with the Stars now. So go figure. That's how that that's that turned Wait, out for everybody there. Is she the alleged murderer who's on yeah. Dancing with the Stars? Man, yeah. I wonder how her partner feels. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I know the new partner. I know that's true. Wait, did they ever? You've obviously got you know a little bit of a musical background. I don't know if that extended to like you know your dancing. You know, having done like soap operas, you know, for so long and whatnot. How'd you get so immersed like in the music world? I've always been curious about that. Um, I, you know, I grew up in Virginia, so everyone sings at church, and I, I, I grew up singing in church, and I just always loved music. Um, when I was little, I used to, you know, I remember my parents said you know, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. And I said, anything? And they said, yeah. And I was like, cool, I'm going to be a bird. And they were like, you can't be a bird. And I was like, you literally just said anything, which is like my only childhood, like cute thing I know I did. Um, Because, you know, like children, that's what I like about children. Like they just, like you tell them something, they fully take you at your word. And so they were like, oh, you can't be a bird. I was like, well, you just said I could be. And the whole point was that I just wanted to like fly, obviously. And then also I wanted to be singing all day. So I've always loved singing. And um, I mean, also growing up in Virginia, it's not a realistic thing, you think. Even becoming an actress, it was like, you know, I went to University of Virginia. I've never used my degree. And you can tell in this interview and any interview I've ever done, you're like, she has intelligence. I mean, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my, my intelligence escapes me. You can never tell that I went to college, but I did. And my parents <laughs> insisted on that, you know? Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Like I just, I, I got into singing cause I, Oh, I did a Christmas album. I was like, that's on my bucket list, you know? And I did a Christmas album and ended up going to number one on Amazon for jazz. And I ended up out ranking or outselling Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Ella Fitzgerald, and Harry Connick Jr. that year. And I was, and Louis Armstrong. And I was like, what? And so then my fans kept badgering me about when I was going to do a real album. And I came out with Hindsight, which took forever to write and record and all of that. But I just wanted to do something for charity, you know? I think it's so awesome that you did that. And I was going to mention as far as the Christmas Christmas album goes, I like that you kind of took like the uh, Sinatra rendition of uh, Jingle Bells because I'm Italian. So we just, you know, we grew up listening to that all the time this time of year. And uh, as far as the new album, I remember, I think the lead track, it threw me off at first because I think it was On the Street Where You Live. It immediately made me think of the Broadway show tune, you know, being here in the uh, Broadway world that, you know, you know, there's a very famous show tune called On the Street Where You Live. No. Yeah, no, it, it, that's very much a thing. But I, th- I like your version just as much. That's amazing. 
And once again, I just proved that, you know, it's a miracle I went to college and a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just have a song that's named the same thing. Cool. No, yeah. <laughs> it was from My Fair Lady. So I don't know if you ever had the chance to listen to it. But yeah, there's a song from My Fair Lady called On the Street Where You Live. But I like the Jen Lately version just as much. Well, thank you. I mean, I have seen My Fair Lady, so it's just been a while, clearly. That's the Actually, problem with soap operas. Listen, that is the problem with soap operas is that you memorize, you know, you shoot 120 to 240 pages a day, which is two Hallmark movies in a day. And the problem with that is that you forget how to use your words, uh, which is a thing that parents say to toddlers, hey, use your words. Um, I don't know my words anymore. Like, beyond you telling me, you know, what's your name and, and where, what's your birthday? I'm like, I don't know. Do you have a script? I'm just so tired. I don't know. You screw, soap operas will ruin the RAM of your brain. It's like a computer and it just deletes everything it thinks you need to know. And, and I remember all of my terrible soapy soap lines, like from four years ago, I'll watch an episode. I can like still say the lines. I don't know my state capitals. I, I, I don't know my, on the street where you live by my fair lady. And I certainly don't know baseball terms. So really <laughs> batten. I don't know. I, yeah, see, I don't know like the, my batting average, but it's probably really bad. I think, I think you're a pretty good hitter, but I have to know what's like your soapiest soap opera line that you ever had to do on screen. Oh God. I mean, I remember quite okay, so in soap operas, you talk to yourself. And I remember I had to be like, how dare she? How dare she? And I was like, yeah, I, I can't say that to myself. I'm all about talking to myself. That's fine. I'm an external processor. and one of those people at the grocery store that's like, okay, okay, what else do I need on my list? No problem talking to myself. I am not going to say, how dare she? How dare she? Like, I will ruin her or something like that. And then also my, my baby was stolen out of my freaking uterus. There was a fetal kidnapping. I was drugged. Yeah, I mean, one of the Real Housewives stole my baby out of my uterus while I was pregnant and then implanted my embryo into her. And somehow it took. I mean, that's some IVF if I've ever heard of some. And um, so there was a fetal kidnapping on Days of Our Lives. So that, that was my favorite storyline. Wait, did you watch Friends back in the day? Yes. Do you what remember like the whole thing where like. Who farted? Who farted? You know, like that's Joey's line. Like, you know, the who farted face. The who farted face. But there was also like an equally absurd storyline that he had to portray. Because like his character, Dr. Drake Ramore, died. And they were going to bring him back as his career. Uh, Joey's career was starting to get big. And they were going to do a brain transplant <laughs> to yeah. bring the character back. Yeah. And my husband, Eric Martzoff, on the show, husband on the show, everybody in real life is like, aren't you guys dating in real life? And we're like happily married to other people. But we're like, great. I'm glad you think we have on-screen chemistry. Love him. He, um, his character had heart surgery and got Dr. Daniel Jones heart. And so I had to, I had to <laughs> talk to him about that. Cause he was like, thought he was in love with another woman. Cause he had a heart transplant. It's very real. These, you know, these, these <laughs> soap opera storylines, you got to live for them as an actor. Cause you're like, I have to what? Yeah. And you just sit back and see where that story takes you. Is it tough for you to like, you know, doing all the work that you're doing now, is it tough for you to go back and like watch your work, you know, on General Hospital, for example? No, because here's what I love. I, I do. I do love I think soap actors are actually the most talented actors because not only can they memorize and they all get one take. It's not that soap opera acting is actually so over acted it's that the stakes are so high i mean 
if you really did have your baby kidnapped out of your womb and put into another woman and then you met that baby, you know, of course you would be crying and like acting hysterical. So I always, you know, I never watched soap operas growing up. And so there's a conception that soap opera acting is overacting, but actually it's like appropriate level of acting. It's just the circumstances are ridiculous. It is, I, and that, and listen, I've watched it plenty on Hallmark. You know, it's just I grew up basically in a house with two girls, uh, so that's like on that's on screen for us this time of year when I go back home. Um, I didn't get too into the soap operas, though. I was pretty much at school, I guess, when those were airing. But um, did you ever think that you'd you know be doing all these feel good holiday films? You know, when you started in the soap opera ranks, for example. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because see, what makes sense to me is what makes sense to me is me being on Hallmark. Like when Hallmark called, I was like, "Yeah, that makes exact. That makes perfect sense." Um, like I share, I I'm like Miss American. Like I sell cherry pie. You know, do you want me to play a badass on a soap opera? I was like, when I get mad, people are literally like, "Oh, you're so adorable," and I'm like, "I'm so mad right now." So I mean, Hallmark makes sense to me. Soap operas. I was even told when I first moved to Los Angeles, I was literally told by two different people. Um, I used to take casting director workshops, which you know, people will say what they want about those, but I'm a big fan of them. I booked a lot of jobs from soap opera, I mean, from casting director workshops, but I was actually told by two different people when I moved to LA, Hey, make sure that you never take a soap opera. Uh, so, uh, what are they called again? Like, you know, once you have these lines, your brain stops working, like blame all of the stuttering on the soap operas, but they said, you know, don't ever take a class with a soap acting soap opera casting director, nailing it, nailing the story. Um, because you are just so not pretty enough. And I was like, cool. And they're like, no, like you're pretty. And then you start talking and you're really awkward and quirky. And like, you're never going to be on a soap opera. And I was like, that's fine. I like comedy and I've never watched a soap opera and I kind of just want to do Hallmark. So very much the opposite was true for me. When I booked a soap opera, I was like, are you sure you're calling the right girl? Cause I've been told I'm quite awkward. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't come off in this conversation, but that that's yeah. very interesting right. to me. <laughs> 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 Release, the video. Release the video version of this and people will be like, wow. We should start up a Patreon and charge people to help support the podcast, but also see like what's going on on screen between me and Jen right now. It is, uh, it's definitely something to see. <laughs> yeah. You don't think that that doesn't come off from the girl who bought 12 rolls of toilet paper that were the size of a steering wheel and a hundred pounds of rice in case Jesus was coming back. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is so, this is so on brand with Hallmark. It's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, fired. You're like fired as soon as I'm done with this interview. Great, Jen. You always do such a great job with your holiday films. And actually, you know, just I know how big you are on charity. I think it's pretty cool how what you did with the Christmas is not canceled initiative very much ties into your special this Saturday night. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so everything's been canceled, which is funny. And I just think that, um, you know, like on a serious note, I I often want to help children in foster care because they really are our modern day orphans. But at the same time, I recognize that this year there's just going to be so many families that don't have Christmas. And 
while I appreciate um, a DIY Christmas, uh, I think, especially as a parent, you, I think it's appropriate to almost put up a, a front of security and we're doing okay in front of your kids so that your kids don't worry. Um, and I don't know how you say to your four-year-old, like, here's your, you know, your homemade whatever. And they're like, where is my Tonka truck? And that's real, you know? And, and, and I think that transparency is always important in parenting, but at the same time, transparency, but not at the expense of your kid also needing to take on the worry of the pandemic. And so I just started really circling my brain, like, what can I do to kind of help everyone this year? And, and uh, I realized that Christmas is not canceled.com was available. Like this is like back in July. And so I bought the, uh, you know, .com and, and um, because my movie is military themed, I was like, okay, we're going to be on a mission to save Christmas. We're going to call it operation. Christmas is not canceled. Um, and the whole thing is going to support toys for tots, which are toys for anyone. And then 10% of all of our entry packages also benefit um, the USO, which supports our troops. And, you know, then there's like weekly giveaways. Everyone gets something, you know, by purchasing any of these entries, you're going to get my album, my Christmas album. And then also you give a certain amount of toys to a child in need, which is feel good. But you also stand the chance of winning, like I said, the ultimate Christmas, everything you need to have a picture perfect Hallmark Christmas. And then there's weekly giveaways, too. And we also have really fun sweatshirts. Like we have one that says 2020, you are on the naughty list and things like that. So it's fun and it's all for a good cause. And I think it's been really cool to um, especially with like our weekly winners to see their reactions and a lot of their emails and stories and responses that they've written back really have made me cry because they just open up about, you know, how bad their year has been and they didn't have any hope. And then they got like a wreath in the mail and it's like, and they're like, that redeemed all of this year for me. Like I lost my job and I lost all of this. And, you know, there are still good people doing good things. And so it's like, wow, that's, it's pretty profound. So I'm excited about it. It's called Christmas is not canceled.com. It's really fun and heartwarming. And, you know, we have a good sense of humor on the site. So it's awesome. With all the varied work you've done and given your musical talents, I do have to ask, would you ever consider doing Broadway? Oh my gosh, of course. I'm very stage fright, but I'm actually not that stage fright when it comes to musicals, which is weird. Um, because I'm stage fright when it comes to singing, but I don't know. I The only plays that I've really enjoyed ever doing are musicals. I, I did I did um, Godspell in college, which is actually one of the ways I got into acting, and I loved it. That's interesting. So wait, you didn't do, even though you sing in your church, for example, you didn't do musical theater growing up? Not at all, wow. because um, <laughs> I think in I think in New York there's really great theater programs. But where I'm from, if you're a theater kid, you know it's intense. I remember I did I tried to do, um, oof, girl. I I mean, you know, you're a boy, but still, like <laughs> maybe I'm talking to myself. Like, maybe, like in high school, I remember I I thought I was interested in acting because I think deep down I always knew that I was, and so I auditioned for the play Annie, and you know, I am a good singer. And so I ended up getting all the way back, you know, all the way back to back, like callback, callback, callback for Annie. And they ended up giving it to Julia Rigby, who's lovely. And and they gave it to her a lot because she, she is amazing, but they were like, well, she's done every single place. And she was like six years old. And if she doesn't play Annie her senior year of high school, like her life is going to end. 
So I was like, that's cool. So they made me Kate, the orphan, whatever, whatever Kate is in that musical. And I remember one day I came in and I, I remember like second act, I used to like my senior year was kind of like my wild in Jen Lily quotes year, which means like I tried pot once. Because you know? <laughs> 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 I am very Hallmark. But I, I was like, I remember I would like try to go hang out with kids from like the rival school because I just was like, Oh man, my nickname in high school was Jen for Jesus. And I was like, this is so lame. I would go to like school. And so I would give my lines in the second half. I would sneak out. So my parents didn't know, like I was always one by eight. Right. But it was like, okay, well they think I'm at play rehearsal and I'm going to give like, I don't even know what my lines were in act two. Cause I used to give them to the other orphans. <laughs> so I remember one day I came in and I was like, God, everybody's crying and nobody had phones, you know, because it was like pre-cell phones. And if you had a cell phone, it was like badass if it could text. And if it could take a photo that was pixelated, like you were wealthy. You know what I mean? That was like where we were in 2003. And I remember I came in, everybody's sobbing, like sobbing, sobbing. And I was like, oh, my God, because, you know, September 11th, especially being in New York, like that was two years prior. And Everybody was sobbing as if it was September 11th. And so I was like, oh, my God, like, what has happened? I'm, like, looking for, you know, the television to be on. And I'm freaking out thinking there's not been another, like, serious national emergency. So I remember I slid in next to my best friend, Julie, who my daughter's named after. And I was like, Julie, it's like, what? Why is everyone crying? Like, what happened? And she goes, like, it's over. And I was like, what's over? And she was like... This is like the last day of rehearsal. And then the play is over. And I was like, dude, I'll see you in biology next period. Like, I'm not. So I I don't know. Like, I was not the theater kid because I just I just can't hand like I you know, I can't handle enough drama. I am not equipped for that. And I find that in TV and film, people are not dramatic. Probably Broadway, it's the same thing. I'm like, I make enough drama in my own life buying my, you know, Costco sized toilet paper and beans and rice. Like, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't need <laughs> real life drama about like play rehearsal being done. This was like the worst experience of my life. I'm like, ready for this to be over. So <laughs> no, I was not a theater kid at freaking all. <laughs> I love thinking about a rebellious Jen Lily. It's just too funny. To okay, me. I want to tell you. You know what? Like, I'm like, how much? Do, I mean, like, how much time do we have? I could tell you another three minute story. Horrible. Go ahead. Be horrified. Okay, this is this is badass Jen Lily again in quotes. Like I said, my nickname was Jen for Jesus in high school. <sighs> so embarrassing. I almost got voted most changed my senior year. And thank God I didn't because I still love Jesus to this day. I'm a big fan of Jesus. I'm a big fan of people. But I was like, like anyone who grew up in church, you know, I don't know your experience with church, but a lot of people, especially in the Bible Belt, you're like, do you love Jesus or do you not? Because you're really not nice <laughs> <You know? laughs> over the church drama because there's a lot of church drama that goes on. And so I was like, dude, everyone in my school calls me Jen for Jesus. Everyone at my church thinks I'm like the cool kid at school. And so I decided to hang out with the kids, like I said, from the rival school, Patrick Henry. And I remembered one night I was like, my senior year of high school, I was like, I want to get drunk. But because I'm Jen Lilly and I'm responsible and I'm Jen for Jesus, I planned it out. So I had a designated driver. I had a friend's house that I was spending the night at. I had like two chaperones. And I decided I was going to get drunk that night. Like, I was like, okay, 
Like I had a whole game plan. It was planned out like weeks in advance. Like I'm some sort of a type personality, which I totally am. And I was very responsible. I was like, and I even made sure like when I started drinking, like, okay, you three are not drinking tonight, right? Like you're going to get me home. You're going to get me to a trash can. Like, I just want to get drunk. I want to see what it's like. And I, you know, I've got three people that are going to make sure like nobody roofies me and is going to get me home. I just want to see what like the hype is about. So I start drinking and I, of course, I'm like a stupid high school girl that like, you know, wanted to be thin. And so all I knew was that beer had a lot of calories. So I did not eat that day, Wish anyone who's ever drank in their life knows that that's a really bad combo because that means you're going to get a drunk super fast. And I was like 95 pounds wet and like hadn't had a calorie the whole day. So I start drinking this beer. And I, I drank so much, I should have died. I think I was drunk for three days. This is the only time I've been drunk in my whole life because it was quite the experience. And I was like, you know what? I'm set for life. Like I really did a doozy. It was awful. But I remember being on this exercise bike and I think it took me a half hour to do one rotation. And everybody's like, Jen Lily. Like, and I was just like, some girl had said that I was a bitch. And so I remember like going around the room and I was like, Julian says that I'm a bitch. Do you think that I'm a bitch? Because like all I want to be is like nice to people. Like I really love people. Like, am I a bitch? Like would you just tell me if I'm a bitch? Because like if I've ever been mean to you, like I don't want to be mean to you. Like I really love you because I love Jesus. Like it was bad. And then I'm on this exercise. Like so these are the two conversations that I had. Me being like, well, she said I was like a mean girl, but like all I want to do is just like love people. And then the other thing I did, I'm on this exercise bike. Takes me a half hour to do one rotation, and they're literally like, my friends are literally like even the guys who like, I was like the girl everybody wanted to hook up with because I only kissed somebody, right? Like I was Jen for Jesus, like solidly, solidly until I was married, I had only kissed somebody like on the lips, right? I'm that girl. So like even the guys that are like, dude, we want to like get Jen Lily tonight because you know, that's like the every high school's thing. They're like, they're literally like older brother for me. They're like, please stop drinking. Like, we're very worried about you. I'm on this exercise bike. I'm pedaling like one cycle at a time. And I was like, they're like cutting me off. And I was like, no, fine. Like, I'm not drunk yet, guys. I'm so not drunk. And they're like, yes, you are. And you're scaring us. (laughs) And I said, I am not drunk. You want to know how I know that I am not drunk? And they're like, sure. And I go, because nobody in this room looks more attractive to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just imagining Jen for Jesus stating this to people, and I'm just loving the image of it. I hope that people still don't call you that, by the way, after that experience. Did the nickname go away after that? <laughs> Yeah, they were literally, well, they were like, Jen for Jesus is like the most changed. And then I was really humiliated because I was like, oh man, but I do love Jesus. Like, I just really want to know, like, what, what is the hype about? And I wasn't really into the party scene, but that was like, I had one wild night. I tried pot and I drank, (laughs) should have died. And I told everybody that I didn't think that they were attractive still. So, you know, (laughs) that's me being wild. I guess that kind of rules out the whole idea that I had that as you wrap every Hallmark project, like at the wrap party, everyone's just getting like drunk on eggnog and whatnot. So you're you're obviously not doing that. No more getting drunk for Jen Lily. No, I've only been drunk in high school that one time and it was horrible experience. Like I'm really like set. Like people were like, do you you want some beer? And I'm like, God, please no. Like never. I can't even smell it. I, you know, good for you for like acquiring a taste. But for me, it's like three days from hell in high school. (laughs) (laughs) 
You've come a long way, Jen. You have a lot to be proud of. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, seriously. And I just I love talking to you so much. I almost you, we usually do a segment called Fastball Derby uh, to wrap every you know episode of Break a Bat. But I you know we might have to have you come back on another time to just you know keep telling stories like this. This is epic. Yeah. <laughs> My parents are joining me as we speak. Hopefully, they never hear this. But <laughs> is this <laughs> really? They still treat me like I'm in high school. They're like Jennifer. I'm like, okay, please. <laughs> I'm like, I am 36 years old. I'm allowed to tell this story. Okay, it was like half my life ago. It's the first time I told this story. Let's do it. <laughs> if you're gonna do it anywhere, it's got to be a sports talk show like Breaking yeah, Bad. Totally so I think that it's fitting. <laughs> So listen, you know, like I said, you've accomplished a lot in your career. It's about to get a little tough, though. Think of this as the ninth inning, two outs, games on the line, Araldus Chapman's on the mound throwing 105 miles an hour. You know who Araldus Chapman is, right? Uh, she's blinking, folks. Uh, is that, she, 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 oh, no, nodding her? Okay, not at all. All right, well, Araldus Chapman, yes, fastest throwing man ever. So this is like, the, I call it fastball derby because it's a segment where you got to think quick. I'll ask you a question. You tell me what comes to mind. How does that sound? Oh, Lord, I'm very nervous. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Uh, beach vacation or ski vacation? Ski. Eagles or the Beach Boys? Beach Boys. Ooh, do you have a favorite Beach Boys song? Mm, I, uh, California Girls, probably. Would you ever cover it? Probably not. That'd be really weird. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's actually kind of true. Okay, 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 okay. I have to admit. So as much as I love the Beach Boys, the first thing that like comes to mind nowadays, it's like I thought of like the Katy Perry version, which wouldn't be uh, as weird. But they did borrow a lyric from the Beach Boys version in that. I'd love to hear you do some Beach Boys, though. All right, noted. <laughs> uh, favorite New York City meal? New York City meal? Ooh, um, there's so many good restaurants in New York. Um, shoot. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They're also good steak. I mean, you have to have steak when you're in New York, like on restaurant row, you know, before or after a Broadway show for sure. Speaking of Broadway, if you could be the lead in one Broadway musical, which would it be? Ooh. Um, gosh, I don't know. You know, I, I do really love <laughs> Godspell, except I guess the lead would make me Jesus. So we'll, we'll not say that one. Um, I mean, I don't know. I wish I, I like Wicked a lot, you know, as does everybody. I don't know whether I get hit all of those notes. I'm not exactly a soprano. You have to binge watch The Brady Bunch or Full House. Which one are you binging? Full House. Big Uncle Jesse fan? Um, big fan of the show. Yeah. Here's a fun one. All-time favorite baseball player. Babe Ruth. Sorry, New wow. York. Sorry, New York. I know. Why are you apologizing to New York? You know he played for the Yankees, correct? He did, but then he traded you guys. Didn't he? Traded. Didn't he go he to the was Red tra- Sox? He was traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees. See, I knew a little bit. Hence the curse of the Bambino. A little bit. <laughs> Most embarrassing onset moment. Right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> gosh i don't know i mean i just make a joke of myself all the time and i'm I'm not easily embarrassed as you can tell i'm like yeah i brought 100 pounds of rice and like had a panic attack but then i just decided to change the world i don't have much of a i like i like laughing at myself that's good and uh how about this one proudest moment of your career 
Um, proudest moment of my career, honestly, is uh, I had a fan who, because of my work on Days of Our Lives, actually decided not to kill himself. And that's, you know, that's pretty amazing. And uh, how about this one? Lastly, we use this to wrap every show. What's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave Jen Lilly? Comparison is the thief of joy. Wow. That's the first time we've ever had. We, we sometimes will get a pretty generic answer. We sometimes get some great career advice. That's a, that's a profound one. I like that. Great work, Jen Lilly. I'm going to call you Jen Lilly like your high school classmates. Jen for Jesus and Nate, you Jen said Lilly before. is definitely always been what my name is actually the boy <laughs> from patrick henry would be drunk and they'd be like jen lily oh, we've been friends for a really long time and i'm really embarrassed but i don't know your last name and i'd be like yes you do it's lily and they'd go no way dude jen lily lily <laughs> no <Nope. laughs> Well, I hope the folks at home enjoyed this episode with jen lily lily because this was absolutely epic thank you for this jen <laughs> Blame it on quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Well, be sure to tune in to Jen this Saturday night on the Hallmark Channel. We can't wait to watch it. Uh, This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.